Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. We are in, in chapter 6, verse 19. God is giving uh, Noah the instructions about, you know, who shall go into the ark. And, and once again, we're going to get deep into the, the preparations for the flood. And we're about to see some of the, some further cutting and pasting. It, it's, it's amazing the, the detailed insertions of, of different things in this, in chapter seven. Uh, that is, it's, it, it's challenging when you have to put it all together, but it's there, you know, as long as you can get the sense. And it's clear that there are the two, tra- the, the two different traditions. Are, are being tapped, uh, for these sources. Okay. So, so now he's, let's go back to verse 18. I will set up my covenant with you. Now, I was just mentioning to, before everybody got on to Tybal that, that this is the P source and it mentions a Brit here and the, that will be, uh, elaborated upon at the end of chapter nine at the, the final phase of the flood account. With the uh, the famous uh, you know the the uh, the covenant of the rainbow, okay. But what I said, what I what I was mentioning to to Tybal that the use of the word brit uh, in the Torah in priestly sources is very rare, and that really I just I literally fifteen minutes ago it hit me, and I pulled down my concordance and looked up the word brit and saw all the various places. You know where it pops up, and the number of references to Vayikra are few and far between. Which is Vayikra, of course, is totally, pretty much totally uh, priestly, and there are a few other references here and there, like like here. But it compared to Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, especially Exodus and Deuteronomy, the word breed in these in these priestly traditions is really rare. And I can't figure it out. Um, there may be some article, the use of the word breed in priestly traditions in the Torah or in the Bible. But um, surprisingly, it's not that I would have thought that it would be more common, given the fact that the sacrificial services that the priests ran uh, were, you know, heavily covenant related. Part of, you know, that's all set out in the covenants. Um, but the word when when the sacrifices are are are, are noted, you don't find it mentioned. Uh, and it's really really strange. The co- I, I found a common denominator, which I'm 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 spending a few minutes talking because it's really interesting. <clears throat> in in Vayikra chapter twenty four, which is the curses, right? The, the curses that now the use of curses it, it makes sense in that context. Uh, because at the end of the curses, God mentions that, that there was this covenant that he made, a covenant with Abraham, I'm quoting covenant with Abraham, covenant with Isaac, covenant with Jacob. Okay, covenant with others. It's used four times there, five times actually, at the end of those curses, reminding the people that the covenant is still intact, right? And so at the end of this horrible, these horrible curses, that will befall the Israelites if they don't follow God's laws comes, uh, and this is all P. These curses in this instance are priestly tradition. And there, so there they are. And 
this covenant is, the word is mentioned multiple times. It's the same thing here after the flood. Okay. The flood is a basically almost not, well, let's put the curses were not quite as bad as the flood, but it tantamount to the same thing. It wiped the Israelites out of the land of Canaan, out of Eretz Yisrael, basically. Turned, you know, it, it was an overturning of the settlement of the Israelites in Eretz Yisrael. They had to come back. They had to rebuild afterwards in, in a sense. And, but that was the curse, just total destruction. But then the covenant is there and God says, I will not forget my covenant. Here too, at the end of total destruction after the flood, the end of chapter nine, the word break occurs four times in the context of the, the showing of the, of the, of the, uh, the rainbow. And it's, I will remember that, you know, I will never bring another flood. I promise, I promise, I promise we got a covenant. Fascinating. And it's, it's, you see the parallel. The end of horrific destruction comes the promise that, you know, of, that the covenant will exist. The relationship will exist. That I find very interesting. And this is all P tradition. But in the more mundane elements of Torah law, in P sources, I haven't found that much. Okay. That's an aside, but it's, it's significant because you can see how the terms are these different traditions deal with critical words in different ways. And, you know, I can't, you know, you got to get into the mind of the ancient priests to figure it out. And I'm not a priestly psychiatrist or psychologist. So, you know, I never had a bunch of them sit down in front of me and unburden themselves. <laughs> but, you know, some of them probably were very uptight. Anyway, um, moving on. Chapter nine, uh, chapter six, verse 19. Yeah, all the living things of flesh, right? <clears throat> Two of each of the living flesh animals you shall bring into the ark to preserve alive with you. They shall be male and female. And here it says, Zachar unikeva. Okay. Clearly, Zachar unikeva. And the Zahar Unikeva, of course, is the language of Genesis chapter one, which is P tradition, priestly tradition. As we will see in a few moments, in the J tradition, it doesn't say Zahar Unikeva. It says Ish Isha, referring to the animals. Interesting, isn't it? But it's a clear difference in, in terminology. So here again, you say, how can you distinguish between the sources? Look at the words that recur frequently, and you will see the patterns of, of the choice of words. So here it's Zachar and Akeva. And again, these terms, uh, many of the terms that are going to be mentioned here are similarly terms that you will find in Genesis chapter one. So moving on. So, so you have all the living creatures, right? All the living beasts. Uh, are to be brought in two by two, right? And umeha oflaminehu umina behema lamina mikol remes hadama liminehu shnayim mikol yavo elachalachiot, right? And of the fowl after its kind and of the animals after their kind, every creeping thing, all the goodies, two of each shall come to preserve alive. And you take for yourself of every food that is eaten, gather it to you, which will be for you and for them to eat. Right? Remember, at this point in time, everybody's a vegan. 
the the uh, permission to eat meat has not yet been granted. That's not until after the flood. Okay, so they didn't have to worry about killing the animals on the on the. Imagine that would have been a big mess with all that blood flowing around down there. So it's it's all you know. They start the the. Remember that the ark was made with a multiple multiplicity of rooms and chambers and three 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 stories. So there was room already for storage in there to, for everybody to eat. Okay, and then so verse twenty two, and Noah did according to what God commanded him, and so he did. All right, so that's where we are right now. That they they have not yet gone into the ark. He's getting ready. Okay, all right. Now, let's go to chapter 7. <clears throat> and now you're going to say, you'll see something a little bit different. Okay? All right. Now, so, Now, Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark. Okay? Come into the ark, because I saw, uh, because I saw you as a righteous in this generation. That is similar to the P wording. It's interesting. Here the wording is being shared. Okay? Because that's what it said at the very beginning. The, the P just said Noah found favor. But now these terms have been plugged in here. Whether the redactor did that or it was just to, if it's a general usage, I cannot tell you. Okay? But now here, listen, what that, but here's a big difference. Verse 2. Of all the clean animals you shall take for yourself seven pairs. Ish ishto, Male and female. All right. A male and his mate. All right. And of all the animals that are not clean too, a male and his mate. So here you see two complete different, different perspectives that are not found in the, in the other version. The other version, the P tradition, surprisingly does not make any difference between the, between the uh, uh, clean animals and the unclean animals, what we would say kosher and treif. It does not. Hmm. It's only the, the, the J tradition here that does it. And the reason will be because in, in that tradition, instead of the a, a covenant with a rainbow, <clears throat> the, the ongoing relationship with God is affirmed by a sacrifice that is made, which is in a sense a covenantal act. But the word brit, interestingly, is not mentioned there. But there is a covenantal act of a sacrifice offered, of sacrifices, plural, offered by Noah after they come out of the ark. Okay, so clearly, if that's going to happen, you need to have multiple numbers of these animals so that you can offer them up. Obviously, this is a foreshadowing of the biblical commandments with respect to eating of meat, right? There's no question about that's what it is. Uh, but it's interesting, again, that the P tradition, um, you know, doesn't even have reference to a sacrifice here uh, at all. So therefore, this notion of, of multiple uh, clearing, you know, pairs of animals is irrelevant to it. Okay, all right. So that's a big difference. And then the ishvi isha, as opposed to zahar unakeva, male and female. Different. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that Barbara Bert had his hand up first. Sorry. Just quickly, 
but there's no rules as to what's Temeh and what's Tahorah yet. Yeah, but look, you want, they don't have details here, no. <laughs> no, of course not. So Noah must have known, because he read the rest of the Torah. Right, of course. Noah was, you know, a very smart man. In his generation. To read God's mind. Remember, yeah, whatever. Don't ask that question, I can't. <laughs> I, I find it interesting that it's seven pairs of the of the pure yes. and two pairs of the impure. Oh no! Well, no, no, not two. One pair of all the impure, male and female, each of those. Not two pairs. One pair. Two. Two. One of each. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, okay. But still. Okay. So seven pairs of of the pure. Right. And a pair two, of. Uh, and two a pair. Of a pair of the unpure, and as right. as Bert commented, the fact that nobody knew at that point what was pure and what was impure. I did. I, the Torah isn't right now interested in delineating that. That's all. Yeah. Okay. And the sorry. rabbis also say there's no before and after in the Torah. That's a different thing, right? Okay. No, but I mean, maybe the laws were given before this, and we didn't. Well, you know. That's- because you know, according to according to the rabbis, Adam had six laws, and Noah at the end of this story will get the seventh law, which is that you can't pull a a, <clears throat> a limb off of a living animal before you eat it. He says you can eat it, right? But you cannot. You got to kill it first. You can't just rip, mm-hmm. you know, a shoulder off of a lamb and say, "Wow, that's good." You know, the poor lamb is going to sit there and suffer, right? So you can't do that. But that—that's the—that's the seventh. But the other—the other six laws. These are the seven laws of the Noahide covenant that founds this the the foundation of that principle. The Shavuot mitzvot Noah, the seven commandments of the children of Noah, right? Which is all the human beings who came who were alive after the flood, us included, right? So everybody's part of the covenant of Noah, but the, you know, in their in their brilliance, the rabbis had to figure out what they were. So they they look subtly into certain statements that are made at the time of when Adam and Eve were, you know, uh, you know, struggling to figure out their lives, uh, and and then they include the Avraminachai, the the tearing a limb off of an animal, and these are a universal covenant that God has. With all, with everybody, okay. Bob Meth, I'm. Am I correct in understanding there is no one place where all the no height laws are listed together? That is correct. The rabbis have it, but it's uh, you know in the Talmud they do, but it's not in the Bible. No. So where do we find it as a reference? Where can we find them as a reference? I think it, it's in Avodah Zarah. I forget the exact. Uh, look at look at Google the Google. Ask the Google rabbi. The Noah, the Noah laws, the laws of Noah. Laws of, of seven Noahide laws. Yeah, and you'll get the listing. You'll see where it's from. I don't remember the page number. Right. But it's purely Talmudic. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So now you see. Here we are. So again, moving on. Verse nine. Two by two they came. To Noah, to the ark, male and female, Ishvi Isha. No, excuse me. Now it says, Zacharunakeva, 
So I would think that perhaps this is this is again a pasting of 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 the p p line in here, right? It's, I just find it really. Uh, no, this is excuse me. This is a p line. Yes, it is. Wait a minute. Where am I? Right here. Oh, excuse me. I was. I was, I'm skipped. I'm sorry. I looked on the wrong side. That's, we'll get to that later. All right. Okay. Here we go. So that was verse two. Verse three. Also of the fowl of the heavens, seven pairs. So now we know that you can eat chicken. The fowl of the heavens. Um, interesting. The fowl of Hashemayim. That's it. Yeah. Seven, seven. Z- yes, that's right. And here also it says, Zachar in the Keva. Right. This is really con- confusing because this term Zacharinukeba is definitely a P term, right? But up until now it's been Ishvi Isha. And now it's Zacharinukeva. Now again it's possible that that was already incorporated into the the J tradition. Um but it's clear from the P sources that the P the P account doesn't have seven and seven. It just doesn't. Okay. So um, there you go. How is a chicken a fowl of the heavens? That's my interpretation. Uh, <laughs> chicken, flying chicken, and duck. Why, why does this imply you can eat chicken, but you can't eat uh, other birds? Uh, of, that's, the, of the that's already that's p that's that's the law code in Vayikra. But that's in Vayikra. That's not here. No, it's not here. No, that's, it doesn't yeah, say that. Because oh. It's just the fowl of the heavens. That was a joke. I got to be careful what I say. Every word I say is not sacred. I do have a sense of humor. Some think it's a very strange sense of humor. You guys all know that by now. All right. Anyway, yes. But you know, you say fowl of the heavens. What do you think? A chicken. All right. All right. But the thing is here, it says Zacharna Keva. I'm confused. Okay. Then the number seven again. Remember, seven is an as is Jay likes this number seven. Okay? Jay likes it. And P does too, or seven days of creation, to be sure. But it's a big number. It's a big number. Okay? So then for another seven days I will make in another seven days, I will make it rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights, and I will blot out all the beings that I have made on the face of the earth. Okay, so here you go. You will see shortly that Noah and everybody goes into the ark for seven days. This is all happening on the same day, a week before the flood. I'm giving you a preview here. That's the first thing. So that'll happen. He say, the God is saying here, in seven days, I'm going to make it rain. And it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights. And during that period, everything will be destroyed. Maha, maho, I will blot out. It's like taking, you know, um, erasing on, that verb is used when you erase writing on a, on a, on a, on a board, right? On a chalkboard or on a whiteboard. You erase it. It's the Hebrew word is maho. Okay. Um, when you, people talk about Hitler, they say, Yamach Shemo, may his name be blotted out. All right. And so Moses, for example, when um, he's yelling at God, don't destroy the children of Israel. 
after the golden calf incident. So he says, if you're going to kill them, wipe my name out of the book. Right? Is that also the word, is that also the word used for Amalek? Yes. Yes. Right. So that means to utterly make it, make them go away. It's gone as if it never existed. So that's the, that's the power of that word here. 40 days. Let's talk about the number 40. Interesting that here, everything is destroyed in 40 days. And later with Moses on the mountain for 40 days, you have the creation of the people of Israel. Kind of like the flip side. Well, so in a sense, right. Yeah. Right. The, the, uh, <clears throat> okay, Tybal, what else about 40? Um, I think it's Proverbs that the stages of man isn't, doesn't one start at 40? Where I was going to look it up fast. I don't know. I bet I can't answer. <clears throat> I can tell you that the, in, in the, in the law codes in, in, uh, Devarim, when you, when you administer lashes to a person after they have done something wrong, and and it warrants lashes. Guess what the number is? Forty. I thought it was thirty-nine because forty yeah. would kill someone. Stop. Good thought. You're right. The rabbis reduced it to thirty-nine. He shouldn't die. It's as if they're pulling back one. Their their feeling was that forty already means that that's the number when he's going to die. So you don't well, lashes are not is not capital punishment. So therefore, they had to make sure the rabbis were not fully um, engaged in capital punishment. Or we know that from the accounts in 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 the in the Sanhedrin and in Masechet Makot that uh, when it comes to punish capital punishment, the rabbis sort of back off from that. So forty lashes they felt could 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 become a capital crime, make it capital punishment. They don't want that. Thirty nine, and also the rabbis say that anybody who administers the lashes has got to be a talmid chacham. They have to be knowledgeable in the law, because theoretically, what that means is they are sensitive enough because of their training to know when it's getting to be too much for the person who's being whipped. The maximum, according to the rabbis is 39. Okay, so that's right. But in the Torah, it's 40. Weren't the spies out for 40 days also? The spies were out for 40 days. Right. So what do you write? And Moses is on the mountain, remember, 40 days before the golden calf. Right? <clears throat> so it's, and then think, here's another one that people don't often notice. When Asaph uh, is coming to meet Jacob, and Jacob's spies go out and come back and say he's coming with an army. How many men? One to four hundred. Four hundred, which happens to be ten times forty. Okay, interesting. All right, Tybal. Oh, I put it in the chat. I remembered wrong. It's Perkeavos. It's not Proverbs. And forty is the age of wisdom. Okay, good. Yeah, but that's a yeah, but they do with all the decades. So that you know. Uh, you know, it doesn't do everything. All right, AJ, are you trying to make a statement? No. Okay, because your 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 thing goes on and off. Okay. All right. Um, title again. Um, what about isn't forty when you're allowed to study Makava mysticism yeah. if you're forty? 
Yes, it's probably based upon that statement in Pirkei Avot, actually. Uh, so there's a connection there. Yes, that's a more positive thing. Uh, but again, it's you know it means that you're you're mature enough to go into a very uh, challenging. It could be a very challenging transition to to plunge into Kabbalah because it's you've got to have a lot of wisdom there to be able to manage that. Yeah. Okay, Bert. Just real quick, for us here in Los Angeles, we just went through two days or three days of rain, and the city almost collapsed. So you can only imagine if we had 40 days of continuous rain. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you know, you think about that, right? I mean, look, I'm up here in Century Hill, uh, and we are at the top of the hill. Uh, that's where our condo is. I mean, literally, uh, the, the, maybe we're 10 feet away from the peak, Okay. And so all the water rushes down. So we don't have flooding, except in our kitchen. And it turns out in many, <laughs> there are leaks in the balconies in this building. So ours, our balconies, thankfully, do not leak. They are, they don't puddle. We ch- and by the way, we check them all the time to make sure that there's no water built up. Up Upstairs, the lady upstairs is a very wonderful lady. So she did this when we had a rain earlier in the year. It came through, it came into our kitchen. We have a pot sitting right there from the, they brought us from the maintenance here, a a big blue bucket to collect the water. Okay, because it landed right in the middle of the kitchen. came down through a a lighting fixture in the ceiling. Okay, so it happened again. But it turns out the reports that we're getting, you know, from the, in uh messages that come from the leadership here from the from the main, from the uh, administration there are a number of, of condos where this rain has opened up leaks and so forth so yes i can say it wasn't it didn't take 40 days for that <laughs> it took about a day and a half all right anyhow yes so yes so 40 is a scary number 40 is a scary number okay but you got to keep that in mind because you're going to see another number, a num, a number of numbers are going to pop up soon. Okay, verse five, and Noah did according to all the Lord had commanded him. Very, he was a very law, very, very abiding person. Okay, then verse six, Noah was six hundred years old, and the flood came about water upon the earth. Six hundred years old. Okay. That's a number floating right there all by itself. That seems to be a pasted in P tradition, as you will see, because that's going to bounce back to at us in a few moments. Now we're going to go back to verse seven, which again is a J source. And Noah went in. Now listen carefully. Noah went in and his sons and wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the flood waters. Okay, you see what it says, right? So that's that he's now in the ark, and it doesn't mention the names of his children. Keep that in mind. It doesn't mention the names, but he's there now in the ark. Okay, all right. Now we got it. Now it says of the clean beasts of the thing. Look at now verse eight of the clean beasts and of the beasts that are not clean and of the fowl. And all the creeps on the earth, two by two, they came to Noah, 
to the ark, male and female, as God commanded Noah. That's not J anymore. That's P, because it says the clean animals came in two by two. So it's another paste in. You see that it, this is a, it gets confusing if you want to look at these traditions here. But you see, this is being cut and pasted, cut and pasted. It's clear because the numbers are just different and the numbers don't lie. Okay. It's fascinating. And you've got to understand that these, the, the when they put it in, whoever did this knew that it contradicted what had come before where it talked about the seven pairs. They knew that. They weren't dummies. Okay, but clearly they're dealing with different traditions. And as I said at the outset, I think what's going on here, and some of you reflected this, that you're dealing with different traditions that have come together from different parts of Eretz Yisrael in the aftermath of major tragedies. And the leadership, the religious leadership, the probably scribes, senior priests, sages of those times, 7th century, 6th century, 5th century, during this whole period of tumult and destruction and transition, they needed to bring them all together, all the stories that people had been, all the, you know, what the people had been raised with, because clearly the flood story is a big deal. And there were these two traditions, and they just couldn't discount them. So the only thing they knew to do was to plug them in and put them together, knowing full well that they were two traditions. But this way, it made, to be very banal about it, everybody was happy. And if you realize we have a need to bring people together, you got to find something that everybody's happy with. Sounds like Congress, doesn't it? Not a political statement. Okay. Tybal. Um, uh, two things. One is the way you just said that. I was reminded of the joke about the different traditions, the new rabbi. Do we stand for this? Do we sit for this? And the rabbi keeps saying, yes, that is the tradition. Yes, that is the truth. You yes. know, that old joke. But what I wanted to ask, because my Hebrew is not good enough, nor do I have a concordance easily in Hebrew, with the Noah went in, is that the same verb that's used when a husband goes into his wife and we're supposed to think sex? Let me in see. The be- in the beginning of seven? Oh, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, by Avo. It is. Be well, a- that's, that to me is really interesting because it's also with the wives, whatever, and the idea that life will continue. So the use of that verb there also but you can't read too much you, i mean it's it's i'm glad you picked it up um but the word also it's generally used in its normal shall we say less specific use here you can't you can't every time the word ba is used in the bible you can't assume that it has uh any form of reproductive although oh, it's interesting that you should say it because clearly the whole purpose here is to create a situation where such reproduction can take place afterwards. Yes. So in that respect, I think you're, you're, you know, it's interesting you should note this. Whether that was the intention here, it's hard to know. But thank you. That's a very interesting perspective. Okay, so we're going to do Bert and then Bobby. Uh, quick question. Uh, this line, and Noah did just as the Lord commanded him. Is that the same language that's later used all the time in the building of the Mishkan? You know where 
do this, do this, and then the people did just as God had commanded? I can't remember specifically. Okay, it, it kind of resonates that, that it's the same kind of a thing as the building of the Mishkan. But, you know, Moshe is supervising that, and the question is, was it the word? It could have been. It, it makes sense. But that's a sort of universal type of a thing. You want to affirm that, you know, that, that God, these people these are listening carefully to God. And this is all God's plan, right? Okay, Bobby. Just on the theme of consensus, next week I'm going to Israel. I think for the 13th time at the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, which is about 50-some-odd organizations ranging from Americans for Peace Now to ZOA and from the Orthodox Union to the Reconstructionist Movement and Reform Movement. So consensus (laughs) still is uh, an issue. Yes, of course. Right. Good. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. So let's see, where are we? Okay. So now we're moving on. Now, um, we did verse eight. Okay. Now we're verse nine. Two by two, they came to Noah to the ark. We did that. Verse 10. Now, this again is going to be a, a J tradition. Okay, it came to pass after the seven days that the flood waters were upon the earth. Right? It's that's what it says. It is now raining, right? And they were in they have been in the ark now for seven days, right? Right? And now the rain has started. It's already raining. Okay, now let's go verse eleven. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, life, in the second month. On the seventeenth day of the month, on this day, all the springs of the great deep were split, and the windows of the heavens opened up. Okay, good. Okay, fine. We know now, that's, remember, up above it said Noah was 600 years old, and now it's getting very specific. All right, you got to keep these numbers in mind. I mean, I will have, I did the math on it already. You'll, you'll see. All right. <laughs> anyway, but that is that's that's the P tradition at its finest. The 600th year of Noah's life, the seventh, the second month, the seventeenth day of the month. Okay. So the springs of the deep of Tahom and the windows of the heavens and Arubot Hashamayim opened up. Tahom is the word that we find. When the Spirit of God is hovering over the Tahom at the beginning of Genesis, which is a P tradition, right? It's a, a P likes this word, the deep. And Arubot HaShamayim, the, the, the sluice doors, the, those are trap doors that relates to a, a hard surface that keeps water back like a dam. Where do we read of a hard surface that restrains water? Question to the, to the class, class. Where do you read in Genesis before this of a large piece of hard matter that keeps water back? Bobby. Gopher wood. No. That's, he mean, <laughs> that's the ark. No, no. I'm talking about a big. Other than the ark. Other than the ark. The what? The Shemayim. The, 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 Genesis 1 is the Rakia. 
which which called God calls Shamayim. Okay, the firmament. In the English translation, it's called firmament because it's firm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't remember that word. Remember, we talked, we saw this, right? Yeah. He made in order to hold back the waters, right? All right, so now if it's going to gush rain, what do you have to do? You got to get the water out of there, right? Well, how do you get the water out? You open up the Aru boat, the trap doors. It's like a dam, a sluice, and it allows the water from the area that has been dammed up to come out. So now the dam water, pardon me, that's not a curse word, flows out onto the ground. So now you have from above and from below water gushing onto the surface of the earth. So that's the undoing of what God did for creation. Remember that, right? In the in the process of creation, the water up top is restrained, and the waters on the earth are organized. They are all under control. That's how you have oceans, seas, and land, right? The separation. So the whole process of separation that takes place at the beginning of the creation is now being reversed. So what can we say? What is God basically doing? He's undoing the creation that he did at the outset. Got it? That's what's starting here. Okay. Barbara. It says the second month. Um, yes. Does that mean the month after Nisan, most likely? Not the second month after Tishrei, because this is, does it, isn't Tishrei become the first month later? Yeah, I don't know because they don't mention the names of the months here, only the numbers. There were two separate calendars. Okay. One, the first month was Tishrei. The other, the first month was Nisan. Okay. And what we have basically is a blend of both in the, in the Torah tradition. So I cannot tell you from this yet. Because there's no, well, let's put it this way. I'm going to assume that, mm, yes, because with the Exodus account, where you'll find the the P traditions enumerate the exact day when they leave. I I believe they're P traditions. I'd have to check it. So hold off. I don't know. I'm not going to answer that. And in terms of the counting here, doesn't matter. Because what we want to look at really is how long did the flood last? Okay, and you're going to find it's there's clear two completely different traditions here, and again for the same reason that we mentioned before. Okay, Taiba, let's let's I, uh, quickly because I want to move on. Well, just because Hebrew calendar is my life, and there's also the first month of kings is Elul, and then there's the first month for cattle. I just thought I'd toss that out there. There are four New Years at the Mission Dimensions, you know, so it it, it it's it depends which calendar you're looking at. Same thing when you count for taxes here. Right, April is tax time, so that's the beginning of the tax year. So you know, all right, moving on. <clears throat> now looks now on this now here's the here's the thing. On this day, what day? When the rain began to fall, on this very day. Emphasis, yes. Etzem hayom etzem hayom, and the specific the word etzem is emphatic. On this day, what day? The second <clears throat> month. The seventh day, right? In the seventh, in the sixtieth year of Noah's life, six hundredth year of Noah's life. That's when this happened. And this is on the same day 
that Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, his sons, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of the three sons, they came onto the ark. So when did they come onto the ark? When the rain began to fall. But in the earlier, the earlier we went, when did they go on the ark? Seven days. Seven later. days earlier. Yeah. What can I tell you? Okay. Different traditions. Are you happy? Yes. It says seven days before. Are you happy? Yes. It says this is the day. Fine. There's a contradiction. So what? Everybody's happy. I'm sort of making fun of it. But the point is, that's what you call compromise. Right? You get a little, and I get a little. Okay. Okay. Now, so on this day, all right? Now, they and every beast after its kind, every domestic animal after its kind, every creeping thing creeps on the earth after its kind, every fowl, blah, 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 every every wing, bird of every wing, all of these terms, this herd mean means they're after their kind. That's all P language. All right. Verse 15, continuing in the P source. And they came to Noah to the ark two by two of all the flesh uh, in which there's spirit of life. And those who came, male and female flesh, came as God commanded him. Okay. There's a lot of repetition here. Okay. And, and the, probably the input, I don't know what, what the, the reason is. It may be, let you know, it took a long time for all these people to get on the ark. That's all I can say. The miracle was that they all did it in the same day. I don't know. There's I, there's no miracle here, really, but it's just it's very it's very repetitive, and besides that, it, it's very redundant. So um, that's 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 it. All right. So there they are. Now we're going to continue verse seventeen. Look what it says. Now the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and lifted the ark, and it rose off the earth. Okay, so it's going to rain for forty days. And the waters became powerful, and they increased very much on the earth, and the ark moved on the waters. And the waters became exceedingly powerful upon the earth, and the lofty mountains that were under the heavens were covered up. So step by step, the water is getting higher and higher and higher till the mountains are covered up. Fifteen cubits above all the, the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered up. Okay, so there's a number here. This is J tradition. J used numbers too, but not like P. So, but now the whole point is, it's 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 a uh, fifteen. It'd be twenty-two and a half feet of water above the tops of Mount Everest. They didn't know from Mount Everest, okay? They knew from the mountains around, you know, in the Middle East, which were not that high. We know that, anyway. But that's that's the whole point. Everything was covered with water. Everything that had the breath in verse twenty-two. Everything that had the breath of the spirit of life in its nostrils of all that were on the dry land died. That's verse 20. What about verse 21? Oh, let's see what verse 21 says. It says, And all flesh perished that moved upon the earth, the fowl, the cattle, the beasts, and the creeping creatures creep, etc., etc. That's P and P insertion, not contradicting, but with all the specific the specification of the different animals, that's Genesis 1 again. So that's a P line stuck in. Verse 21 is stuck in to the in the middle of the J sources. You go crazy with this stuff. But I mean, again, you, you can't you can't ignore it. In this case, that's great because you can say the, the J tradition is generalizing. 
the P gets very specific. That's that's okay. That's good. But then, you know, when you get the contradictions, it's it's puzzling. But you can understand what's going on. It, it, there's a, there is a sense that one tradition is much more detailed, so put it in, and it'll enhance the other one that is less detailed. So there's a positive side to this, but there's the negative side of the contradiction. Okay, then, then now verse 23, and if the flood blotted out all the beings that were upon the face of the earth from man to animal creeping things, the fowl they have, this sounds like pee again, but it looks like it's not. This this is this is a J source, okay? Because Vayamach, that verb is a is a is associated with the with the J tradition. All right. Anyhow, so it has happened. We finished chapter seven. All right. Everybody's dead, except what's in the ark. And the repetition here also reinforces that. You know, when the Bible repeats and repeats and repeats, it's saying this is really bad. Right? This was total. If you have any doubts, this is absolute and total destruction of everything on earth. Everything. Every living thing. Doesn't talk about the plants, right? But everything that has life in it, that moves, all the animate elements of creation are dead, except those on the ark. Okay. Now we have to turn to that. Chapter eight. Time. Oh, we're still good. Oh, good. Yeah, we're fine. Chapter 8. And God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were in the ark. God caused the spirit to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. I don't know. It says, and God uh, brought a ruach. I don't know why this translated as, as spirit. I would say wind. It's the same wind that blew at the time of the creation. No? Maria says wind. And mine says spirit. It's got to be. 19, JPS 1917 says wind. It says what? Wind. Yes. The older JPS. H. Chaim says wind. Good. All right. That's what it should be. I don't know why this says spirit. Uh, this is supposed to be, I thought is it was. Is this the same construction as the opening of Genesis with yes, yes, it's the same wind. It's the same wind. God, God's winds blow, right? Uh, when God brings the plagues on Egypt, a wind comes. You know, Ruach Elohim in Genesis chapter one can mean a powerful wind. It's a wind of God, but that's what's going on here. We're re, we're, we're redoing now. We're bringing slowly, slowly. We're going to begin the process of rebuilding the world. Okay, but the first thing you've got to do is to get rid of the water, right? Okay, uh, Bert. The last line of chapter 7 says, And when the waters had swelled on the earth 150 days. Sorry, that's very important. Thank you. There's a missing 110 days. No, it's more than 110. In other words... Well, but it rained for 40 no, it didn't. It rained, according to this, it rained for 150. Okay, I, I, from the English, I read that this was after the rain stopped, but well, I guess. The water prevailed. The, 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 no, it means it. It rained for 150 days. Right. When, what happens is once the rain stops, mm-hmm. then things will recede. But at that point, it hadn't receded yet. 
That's going to happen now. So what happened? That's a missing piece. I'm sure the rabbis fill that in somewhere. I, 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 the rabbis, I, I didn't check the rabbinic trend in, in, attempt because I'm trying to get us to understand and appreciate the plain meaning here. For sure, the rabbis had to deal with this. <laughs> There's no question. But that's the whole point, because you're going to see at the end where we end up in terms of how much time elapsed. There's going to, at the bottom, the bottom line is going to be a radical difference. And the, the P tradition is very clear what that is. And it's going to blow your mind. Mm-hmm. I get to that. Rachel. Just the trying to think about how rivers react after a storm, how long they remain elevated. Yes. Um, because the, Waters on the earth, which are the flooded rivers and lakes and so on, can last much longer than the actual storm. Um, but, but again, 150 days after the rain stops, you're unlikely to see flooding still. No, it's, it, no, but the point is the rain, the rain, yeah. <clears throat> well, that's the point you're going to see. It's going to now eventually list how long it took for the water to recede. And it's going to, you'll see step by step, literally in the P tradition. It's going to take about as, it'll take longer for the water to recede than it did for the water to fall. In the J tradition, it'll be the same number, 40. I'm giving you a, a four spice of what's coming. Okay. <clears throat> but remember, <clears throat> it's not just the rain in the P tradition. Where's the water coming from? To home as well. It's bubbling up and it's going down. It's coming from both sides. Oh, you're talking huge. Huge. Okay. All right. Um, Barbara, you're unmute. I can't hear it. Barbara, Barbara, you're not unmute. Unmute. Thought I did. I pressed it. It says in verse 12, it says the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Yes. And here it says 100. And And then in 17, it says it continued 40 days on the earth and raised the the ark above the earth. Full 40 days. So why, why the, I don't, I still don't understand the 150. (laughs) That's the P source. (laughs) That's the other tradition. And so the J source says it rained for 40 days and the P source says it rained 150. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, that would fit in with the fact that at, at 40 days, the, the, the flood had just raised the ark over, off the earth. So in order to cover the earth, it would, you would assume it would have to, to rain more than the 40 days. Above, it took rise above. The, the commentary in HIM says that the water is drained away so gradually that they appear to remain at their maximum height for the 150 days. Now, that's wrong because it doesn't say that they're receded yet. But, but I think it's just implying that even though it only rained for 40 days, the water level was so high for 150 days. Bad attempt to try to reconcile the two. <laughs> okay. okay. Wait till you see what happens now. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so. God remembered Noah and the beast, etc., etc., and the great wind blew across. And the springs of the deep were closed now, and the Arubot HaShamayim were closed. This is after 150 days. 
right? These are all closed up, and the water's diminished uh, at the end of 150 days. In other words, they started, this is the beginning of the diminution. You'll see why in a minute, okay? Let's, let me just, I got to go back to, to the, to the J now. And, and now J, the source is, now it's in, in, now this is why it's here. The J source says, and the waters receded off the earth more and more. So the waters receding is that everybody agrees is when all the water came coming down stopped. Now look at verse four. And the ark came to rest in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month on the mountains of Ararat. Okay. So what month is that? That's the, that's five months from the 17th day of the second month to the 17th day of the seventh month. Okay. That's another 150 days, right? It's an, for the water to recede. And, and, and still, this is the point. It's going to take longer because now he's at the top of Mount Ararat sitting, right? That was a question on Jeopardy this past week. Yes. Yeah. All right. Then it goes on, and the water's constantly diminished until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first of the month, the mountain peaks appeared. So the more mountains appeared. Okay? That's another two months and 13 days. Got it? Then so, but in the, in the, um, Peach in the J tradition, verse six. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark he had made. All right. So 40, now, 40 days after what? After the water began to recede. You'll see why in a minute. Because now they're going to send out the birds. So that's 190 days. That's a, well, no, you're, now you're taking the two counts and putting, oh. keep the numbers set, two columns, columns, Bert. Please, over here, you're moving close to a year. Over here, you're going to have a hundred and about 80 days. Okay, the P tradition is going to end up clearly. It'll say, if you do the, just look at the numbers, it's a year and 10 months until they come out of the ark. And over here, it's at the end of 80 days that they come out of the ark, 40 and 40. Okay, and it took time. But the point here is what the beauty of the J tradition is. It tells you the stages step by step, right? So now we're going to get to the birds. And everybody knows, and they sent out doves. Yes? All right, so look now at what it says. Verse 7. He sent forth the raven, and it went out back and forth until the waters dried up off the earth. So it took even more time. But what did Noah send out? A raven, according to P, right? And it went back and forth until the waters dried up off the earth. And then it stopped flying because it could land. The poor bird was up in the air for a long time. Well, ravens are magical birds anyway. We know that. Do you know that? I mean, in ancient times... Ravens, because guess why? What's the difference? A what is a difference between a raven and a crow? They're cousins. What's the difference? Ravens can talk like a parrot. They can say nevermore. Right. Very good. Quote the raven, nevermore. Yes. 
Exactly. And so, but the fact is, it's true. They're smarter. I will tell you a story. Some of you may have heard me tell this. I love this story. It's not it's true. They, some, some animal biologists decided that they wanted to do some researches on the difference between a raven and a crow. So what they did was they took a crow and they put him in a cage, big cage, and they, 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 before they put him in on the bar in which he stood, they tied a rope and at the bottom of the rope was a piece of meat. Okay. And this is the crow. So the crow sees the piece of meat and he realizes that he has to pull up on the, on the, on the string to get to the meat, right? So he pulls it up, but it's still hanging down too low. So he knows, well, I have to, you know, get lower. So he opens his mouth and what happens? It falls back down. So he doesn't know how the heck am I going to deal with this? So he tries it again. Same thing happens. He does it a few times and he gives up. He can't reach the meat. It's impossible. Fine. They take him out. They put the raven in. Okay. So the raven looks. He sees the same thing. He leans down, pulls it up and says, this isn't working. I got to try again. He drops it and he reaches. Oh, I can't reach it. So what does he do? He pulls it up again the same way. Guess what he does? He puts his foot on the string, holds it in place, pulls it up again, puts his foot on the string. Now it's within reach and he eats the meat. Isn't that amazing? I say this because ravens, even back then, that's why they're chosen. It's the J tradition that has the story of the doves, which you will now look in verse 8, and they're put together as if to say, okay, he never saw the raven really land because it flew away. But he wants to see something that, but listen now, with the, you know the story with the, with the dog. It's the one everybody tells. Everybody forgets about the poor raven. But why a dove? Because they were also smart birds in different ways, right? What did people use doves for? Messages, sending messages. They were messengers, correct, and they very they have found archaeologically dovecotes in in personal homes of people where they would keep doves and they would train the doves, you know, and they would fly and they would they would bring the message and the guy on the other end would send them back and they would fly back back home. So they were not totally dumb, and in fact, if you want them to bring back a message, they could do so. So what the depiction of the pigeons here, of the doves, is perfectly accurate, as as was the case with the raven being a very smart bird. Okay, so he sent, by the way, that story about the string, not the Bible, not, no, not the Bible, it was in some laboratory somewhere. And he sent forth the dove, okay, to see if the waters had abated from the surface of the earth, but the dove found no resting place for the sole of its foot. So it returned into the ark, and there was water upon the entire surface of the earth. So he stretched forth his hand and took it and brought it into the ark. Then he waited again another seven days. Okay, and he sent forth the dove from the ark. And the dove returned and even tied, and behold, it had plucked an olive leaf in its mouth. So Noah knew that the water had abated from the earth. And so he waited another seven days. And he went forth, went forth the dove, and he didn't return. So Noah then removed the covering from the ark, and he saw, behold, the surface of ground had dried up. Mazel tov. So that is, that is 80 plus 80 plus 21. 
and seven days before. So Noah has been in the ark for 108 days. The olive tree grew very fast. Huh? The olive tree grew very fast. You, yeah. <laughs> take a long time, actually, I thought. Why couldn't he just open up the the door and see that, that he could see land? Why did he need the doves? Uh, no, he couldn't because if he, why would he open up the door? The animals would run out. If there's no, and he's not, he's not, he's on the top of a mountain, right? He's on top of a wait, wait, but the mountain. Hold, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. No, no. That's the J. The P tradition has him on top of the mountain. In the P, in the J tradition, he wasn't. He was on the dry. He ended had to be on the dry ground, and he had to guarantee that it was. So he he couldn't do that until after he used the window. He couldn't look out a window before he had to send out birds. I don't understand. See why? It doesn't fit the story. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> So, um, all right. Now, verse 13. And it came to pass in the 600th and first year, in the first month, on the first of the month, that the waters dried up upon the earth. That's 10 months and 13 days it took to dry off the land. Whereas in the case of... of, of it's 11 months. It's a J tradition. It in the second month. It went out in the second month. Yeah, well, hold on. Right, but hold on, wait, 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 turn the, moving on, 14, here you go. And in the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Now Noah can come out, that's a year and 10 days. Whereas over here, in the, in the J, it was 108 days. Actually, no, actually, minus seven, right? Because the first day, the first seven days, they were in the ark and it hadn't rained yet. But the point is you have radically different numbers here, guys, and there's nothing you can do to change that, okay? So God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Every living thing that is with you of all flesh, fowl and all animals and all the creeping things, etc., bring out with you. They shall swarm upon the earth. They shall be fruitful and multiply on the land. That's J, that's P right away, right? Genesis chapter one, pru or vu, be fruitful and multiply. Okay. All right. So now you see. So Noah went out, his sons, his wife, etc. Every beast, etc., etc., came out from the ark. Okay. Now, let's go back. Verse 20, and Noah built an altar for the Lord, and he took all the clean animals out of the clean fowl and brought offerings. And the Lord, Lord smelled the pleasant, pleasant aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will no longer curse the earth because of man, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will no longer smite all the living, etc., etc. That's the repetition of the beginning of the flood when God responds to all this stuff in a way that uh, the peeve tradition does not. So long as earth exists, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Okay. They offer sacrifices. And God says, okay, it's not going to happen again. Now, what happens in chapter 9? I'm not going to read it. But basically, they come out, right? And we read the stuff about the image of God. We studied that already, did we not? Right? Didn't we study that? Genesis. Oh, I guess, did we? 
Genesis 1, 5, and 9. You mean creating man in the image of God? Yes, and how that the image of God, the three different places where that is. No, we we studied we were studying the creation of man and woman. Just just one. Okay, that's some another place. All right. Okay. All right. So the, the, all right, it, the third time that you have the notion of being created in the image of God is found in verse in in chapter nine of Genesis. Okay, I, I don't want to read it right now, but it, it says, "Be fruitful and multiply." This is where you learn that you can eat meat. You can't kill a person if you if you kill somebody. You know, if you spill blood, the person who did it, his blood will be spilled, et cetera, et cetera. And then God says, I'm going to bring you the rainbow. And then here you have the four references here from verses 13 and on of the covenant, 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 covenant. And here's where God makes the promise as a result of of a covenanting, no sacrifice. Whereas over here in the J tradition, there's a sacrifice. Bobby. You glossed over... Um, what I think is somewhat significant, where it says that God basically says that the devisings of man's mind are evil from his youth. Right. That man is man is basically evil, even though he's created in the image of God. Well, that is not, yes, but that's the J tradition. That's part of that. That's we. we I did read it. Um, no, but it's, it seems significant to me that God is defining human beings as evil from birth. Right. They are. I mean, they can do bad things. It's as opposed to. Well, I, I always say that people are selfish by nature, and and there, of course, a lot of people say people are good by nature, which I don't believe at all. No. I believe people are basically selfish, but here he's saying people are basically bad. That's what he said at the beginning of the before the flood too. We talked about it. Yeah, I mean that's that's what he's saying that human. This is the what the rabbis define as yitzhara with which we are born. But but we also have a Yetzir HaTov. Here he just says the Yetzir HaRav. Right. Look, it's a statement, I would say, of divine anger. Where where in Torah, are there places in Torah where it talks about Yetzir HaTov? No, no, the the concept of the Yetzir HaTov is totally rabbinic. So only, so biblically, God's view of man is basically... It's used here, the products of, of man's, that's in Genesis... Um, at the beginning, Genesis chapter six, where God makes up his decides he's going to destroy everybody because of men, because of human beings. Yes. And he says there, he says, Adam the products of the, uh, of the, uh, part of man are evil from childhood. So what it's saying is, that it doesn't mean he's born with original sin. That's not what this is saying. Mm-hmm. Already children can express, if you want to be pessimistic, right? And what you have here really is a pessimistic statement that justifies God's action and why you need Torah. Ultimately, that's the explanation why you have to have Torah. You need Torah in order to comp- to deal with that. The rabbis developed that. Because the rabbis tell us that if you study Torah, you strengthen your Yetzer HaTov so it can manage the Yetzer Hara. And the basis of the power, the rabbis are very concerned about the Yetzer Hara, which develops in childhood. That's what this, that's what that says earlier in, 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 in the flood account, beginning chapter six, right? It's there. And ch- baby kids, you, little kids express selfishness. Mine. 
right? In fact, it's more, sometimes it's, it's more unbridled in little kids, right? And that's what it's saying. You can see it even there. So if you want to be pessimistic, which God was at this time, because heck, he's going to destroy everything, right? So he has to have a justification in terms of the narrative. Okay, but actually the rabbis were the ones who addressed it. But implicitly, if you if you really follow this through, you see that the 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 selection of Abraham as the founder of this new people, it says because God knew the opposite, that Abraham would train his 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 descendants to be righteous and just. That's what it says before God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah by contrast with Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, so you can read that, you'll see. So there, God is expressing a positive perspective. But ultimately, this whole notion of righteousness and justice flows out of, later on, the traditions of Torah. And you can see that you get the sense, the development there of this. this, and, And even then, Right? I mean, you can see it right there in Exodus. The Torah is given. The first stage of the Torah is given, right? The the covenant code on Mount Sinai. Genesis chapter 20, 21, 22, 23. The Ten Commandments and the other laws associated with them. Okay? On stone, on a, on a piece of parchment, both, right? Moses writes it in a book and reads it to the people. Then it gets put on stone. That he breaks because the golden calf. Right after they get this, and they say twice, we will do it. We agree, we agree, we agree. Twice they say it. Okay? Twice. And what happens when Moses is up on the mountain for 40, 40 days? I remember. Bad sign. People get mad. They, they get nuji. Where's God? Where's God? Where's God? What's going on? Build a calf. God blows a gasket. Right, he wants to destroy them. Moses got to talk him out of it. Okay, let's start over again. Right, fine. And then the whole thing unfolds from thereafter. Right, God tells them go into the land. Yes, they send spies. They send scouts out to scout out the land. What do they say? Bad. It's great land, but we can never take it. Well, where's their faith in God? We just took them out of Egypt. What do you mean? He just God just took them out of Egypt, the most powerful world country in the world, and they can't deal with these these geeks over here in Palestine or whatever they call it, Ben Canaan, not Palestine, right? Faith, where is it? That's a revolt against God. Faith in God's power to be able to fulfill His promise. That's again He wants to destroy Him, and that's why effectively He does, although not at one time, right? Forty. 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. There's that number again. Spies go out for 40 days. How many days are they punished? 40 40 years in the wilderness. Let the new generation come in. God's groping constantly for people with whom he can make this covenant a reality. Okay? And then the rest of the Bible unfolds. The fact is the Bible is so darn honest about all this stuff. If you think about it, and this is an aside, but you got to realize this. Okay, I'm 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 teaching a, a, a class uh, elsewhere, three sessions on anti-Semitism. One of the things that Christianity and Islam picked up on, coming from our Bible, was the notion that we are a people that cannot live according to God's law. 
Okay. Now, therefore, God needed to turn to another people. Now, didn't, God doesn't break his covenant, but he couldn't trust us anymore. So that's essentially what Paul says. And that became the whole rationale for the rise of Christianity. And then Muhammad says the same thing. You got to listen. In other words, I in other words, the meaning of what Moses said. Christians substituted faith in Jesus because they just believed more realistically that man can't be good? Well, they, that's right. Well, Paul is clear this is for the rest of the world, not for the Jews. The Jews' covenant remains in effect, but they are, but people, but people would look at the reality. If the Jews are the chosen people, why are they constantly kicked out of countries? Why are they kicked out of their own land? Why are they constantly suppressed? and oppressed? Why doesn't God protect them? Why does he make an Islamic empire more powerful than the Israelites ever were? Why does he create a Christian world which is more powerful than than the Jews ever had? And I'm I'm not kidding. This is what they say. It's hard to argue against that, isn't it? But that's the point. We are too honest. We have washed all of our dirty laundry in public. Thanks to the Septuagint, the Greek translation. Okay? I mean, that's a fact. I hate to be so brutal about it. All right? And, you know, I mean, it's not that simple, of course. We understand that. This is speaking from a kind of a a fundamentalist reading of the texts, a a total disregard for the forces of history, you know, and, and, you know, one could make the case that the the fact that the Jewish people congregated in that land as their chosen land is what the land that God gave them, and given the fact that this was a bridge between the two major power centers in the Middle East, whom the the, the Israelites tried to fend off but in the end could not, right? Never could, right? Assyria, Babylonia, Egypt right? The cards were stacked against them from the get-go. Then comes in the Greeks. Then comes in the Romans. Then comes in the, uh, the, the to some degree, the whatchamacallits from, from China. Uh, the, the um, oh, I can't remember the name right now. The, the Mogul? The Mongols? The Mogols? Yeah, the, the, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The Mongols. Right. Then comes in the Islam. Or the Persians. I forgot about the Persians, right? And, you know, and so they're out of control there. Okay, I mean, that's history. And it's a poor us, we're stuck in the middle. And we still are, aren't we? Anyway, all right, so that's my little diatribe. So that that's what this is all about. Bobby, you asked me a question, I gave you an answer. Okay, uh, Tybal and then Barbara. Um, To me, there's an interesting stylistic thing that the redactor did with the weaving. We see... Gracious 1, verses 2, the accounts are sequential, which in a way, I'll use the expression less in your face, it's less in your face. But then here with the flood story, it can be verse one way, verse another way, a few verses, whatever. Do you have any thoughts about why the different choices in these stories that it was more important with the flood to have the contradictions more front, front and center? Well, I think, I think, yeah, it's an interesting question because I think the, 
the Genesis one and chapter Genesis one and two are totally different. It would be very difficult to cut and paste them. Think about it. Completely different. Whereas the two flood stories have a lot in common, right? Basically, the flow of the events is the same in both. So it's easier to make a melding here and try to put them all together in one rather than to have you have a complete story over here and a complete story over there and have them, you know, batting heads with each other. I When I taught this, the last time I taught this, uh, I actually separated out the two stories and the class read one separately and the other separately just to have given the impact that you really have two distinct stories with the same storyline. So I think that was a matter of, of just, you know, realizing that fact and, and building on the commonalities and saying, we'll deal with the commonalities and let the contradictions ride. Whereas Genesis one and two are two completely different stories, which present two different, different kinds of uh, understandings of, God and human beings. And I think the point there was what we talked about is that basically there the point was to try to indicate that how God operates in the world is, is, it has cosmic, if you, if you are a cosmic being, then perhaps you could understand it, but we cannot fully understand it because God operates in ways that are just different. Because the world is so, the God created a complicated world, and God has to be a, if there's only one God, not multiple gods, then this one God has to be responsible for everything and has to operate in different ways when human beings act in different ways. And therefore, it was necessary to present that clearly and begin with the most powerful statement that God is the, is the, is the creator of everything and there are no other gods. That's where you begin with chapter one. Then chapter two focuses more on the evolution of the relationship with human beings, which gets more complicated. Okay, so it's laying out clearly two different perspectives because they're both true. And because, but they're so radically different in how they express themselves that it would be very challenging to put it together. Okay, think, read the stories. They're completely different. Chapter two has no awareness of the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the rakia, right? The separation of land and water. All that stuff is irrelevant to chapter two. Chapter two is a little story of a man in a garden, right? That's it, basically. Okay, so I think I think that's the answer to your question. All right, Barbara. This goes back to your talking about the difference between the Jews and the Christians. Um, Elliot Dorf told a story not a couple, about a year or so ago. He was teaching at a conference with a couple of Christian preachers or whatever they, you know, pr- fathers and yeah, yeah, whatever. And and she, when question and answer period came, all the Jews started asking questions of Elliot, and uh, nobody questioned anything that the Christians said. And after this, after this was over, the Christian people said to Elliot, how can you take this that all these people question what you say? <laughs> and, and Elliot said, that's the Jewish tradition. We question everything. And the, the Christian said, 
That's so different from us because nobody ever questions what we say. I know you'd get a kick out of that. I mean, yes. it was really hysterical when he told that story. Sure. You know, two Jews, three opinions, right? Four opinions. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, so so here we go. We finished. Okay. And and I I find, you know, as those of you who are taking this the, the class in Psalms, same thing, these complicated, contradictory uh presentations, uh we can sort of understand what's going on, but it creates a very uh rich and all encompassing kind of environment uh and, and perception um that flows out of the diversity. It's complex. It's frustrating to try to understand all the details. There's no question about it. And of course, the Midrash, one of the purposes of the Midrash is to try to smooth it over. Sometimes they make some good points, but other times, you know, you can just realize they're just really stretching things in order to make things come together. Whereas in the ancient times, those differences were not that critical. I can say historically, the time when this the, the pressure came for the rabbis to write their midrashim was at a point in time when, because of the Septuagint and the transmission of the Bible in, in, in Greek, where people all over the Middle East could understand it, given the fact that Greek was the lingua franca of the area there until maybe the third century okay, of, of, of the Common Era. The Romans at the beginning used Greek as their official communicating language. They used Latin to write down the things that they, you know that were relevant, but Greek was the lang was still a language, and a lot of the stuff was being read in Greek. So it was spreading, and people from different perspectives began to query about the strangeness of this group of people who separate themselves, who don't live by the same standards that we live by. You know, I mean, we were different. We chose to be different, and it it opens the it opens the whole field of either um, being standing in awe, which you have with some Christians today. You know, if you if you tell certain people, like an evangelical Christian who is a lover of the Jewish people, seriously, okay, because they see us living out trying to live out a life based upon holy writ, you know, and you tell these people, uh, you know, I, they say, do you follow the biblical laws of, di of dietary laws? So the answer is, yeah, and then some. We have a whole rabbinic overlay that makes it even more challenging, but yeah, we try. They're in awe. My goodness. You sanctify eating. Yeah. Good for you. You know what I mean? I'm not kidding. And there are other reasons why people stood in awe of us. But more often than not, they didn't. They were scared by us. People don't like people who are different. Let's be, that's a big problem. You want to talk about Yetzir Harababi. That's a big problem. And, and when a person, when a group of people persist in, in being different, you know, they're weird and suddenly all kinds of strange things that happen are laid at their doorstep. And so, you know, we got dumped on for things that were really irrelevant. And then all kinds of ideas developed. You know, if you look at the history of anti-Semitism, I'm not going to get into that now, but there are ideas that were extant in antiquity that are quite very similar to what's around today. Okay. 
something, the whole notion of us being a race, being a group of people that are genetically, inherently different from the rest of humankind. Okay? That concept that Hitler used, of course, to destroy six million Jews. Basically, that was his main argument. And But that had existed for centuries beforehand. Okay? The, the, the Catholics in Spain in the 15th century developed this notion of purity of blood after certain if the members of the conversos, the people who converted to Christianity in 1391, began to use their Christian, their newfound Christianity, because they converted to Christianity, their newfound Christianity as a way of working their way into positions of leadership in the formerly Catholic world, and they were born as Jews. And suddenly the different Catholics in the country said, hold on. They converted so that they could move move in and take over for us, right? It's replacement fear, literally. It's replacement fear, what you hear today. And so what did they do? They said, only people who have pure Christian blood can assume certain positions. And that meant grand, through your grandparents. Sounds like Nuremberg laws, doesn't it? 1935, Germany. Okay, it was there. Now, it wasn't uniformly accepted, but it did push a button. And it was a racist idea. It's 15th century Spain. So, I mean, so there's nothing new. But in a sense, because we were committed. And then what you find in instances like there, right there, when Jews want to become more like everybody else, then, you know, replacement. Ah, they're here because they're going to use all their conniving skills to take over and become more powerful, okay? So, I mean, you see that even today in different forms. Nothing new, because we're different. We've chosen to be different. Being different is a challenge, and we're struggling today about that. It's it's, it's very, I'm very, you know, I, I worry a lot about these, both in terms of what we're doing to ourselves and what other people want to do to us. It's It's hard, but that's us. Okay, on that happy note, Next time we meet, we're going to study, um, begin the study of um, how monotheism evolved, reading biblical sources, looking at elements of archaeology, looking at, um, uh, we're going to all become experts in trees, trees, different kinds of trees. You're going to learn about different trees. You will eventually learn about other kinds of flora and fauna. <laughs> well, not all at once. Anyhow, yes. And uh, we shall learn how monotheism developed. Based upon the Bible and attending uh, uh, appended uh, other disciplines. See you all next week. Wait, Rabbi, does that mean we have homework? You were giving us a little preview, no, but no, you usually no, give no, us homework. Gonna be, just bring your Bibles. And I mean Bibles, because we're going to be going beyond the Chumash. We're going to start looking into other uh, books as well. Mo a lot of it's in the Chumash, to be sure. But we're going to look in some other books as well to see how these ideas uh, evolved and, and developed. Okay? And it's going to be more than one session, I guarantee you. All right? Good Shabbos. Early good Shabbos.
You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.